0: Hey, fellow fraud fighters! A big welcome to the Seon Cat Mouse Show where we'll look to get into the mindset, thinking, and learnings of the hardest working group of heroes we know, the fraud-fighting professional. And on alternative shows, we'll dive into the opposite world of current or ex-fraudsters to get a real insight into what's driving them to do what they do. And ultimately, we'll be trying to best work out who's the real cat and mouse here. So welcome everyone to the Say on Cat and Mouse podcast. Today, we're back on the side of having located, tracked down, and... Uh, we're going to be speaking to an active fraudster. This one, uh, we'll we'll call them Anonymous P. And we're going to be focused in on the topic of online personas and how easy or hard is it to actually impersonate someone online these days. So we're going to dig into this detail. And um, first of all, Anonymous P, thank you for carving out a little bit of time to talk to Seon uh, today about this topic. Thank you. Happy to speak to you. We'll get stuck into this straight away. Um, there's a There's a famous internet meme, right? Uh, online, nobody knows you're a dog. And uh, it's kind of something that's been spread and there's many variations of it. Let's start with that anonymous P. Online, in your perspective, how easy is it
1: to actually impersonate someone these days? I would say it's getting harder and harder, but as well as there are more opportunities out there where you could gain monetary value. If you're able to impersonate someone just in the past, you would impersonate someone through the phone. Phone scammers exist since the phone same way since they invented the internet. Scammers on the internet exist since that time. I think it's getting harder because of the security measures, but as far as everything is moving online and digitizing their services, there's more opportunities out there for us as fraudsters. How do you look at it? Do you look at it per type of
0: business? So for instance, a bank or say a retail online shop? or a travel company. How do you look at it from a fraudster's point of view about impersonation for those particular target markets?
1: Yeah, I mean, different targets market requires a different strategy. And of course, based on what kind of operation you run. And you have to choose wisely within those industries. So I would say banking definitely what many fraudsters are after is opening bank drops. So using someone's identity to open a bank account, it's getting bigger and bigger risk for those neo banks. Especially when you can just download the app, provide some documents about yourself, and then you will have a unique IBAN number of bank account, which you can use to receive money or to launder money with it. It's quite easy to do that if you have the right documents at hand as well as banking fraud. Obviously, you can't use this unique bank account for a lot of scams, including scams which are done through social engineering. So the Nigerian print scam and the new versions of those if the Nigerian prince, or the, let's the variation of it, has legit-looking bank account and bank account is not in Nigeria, then actually people are far more likely for that trick. Romance scams are the same way. Uh, we, they use bank drops. They use names where it could appear as a real person, and the location of the bank account is also an, a very important thing. So travel scams mostly include reselling different accounts and different services, for example. You could be selling airplane tickets. You could be selling hotel bookings for a discounted price online or it appear to be a marketplace, and then you could purchase those with stolen credit cards, and then you could ask for money or bank transfers to your bank or even crypto in exchange. That is easier because they don't usually require providing documents. If you have access to stolen credit card numbers or bank drops, then you just have to set up your strategy. You're scamming the people because it's possible, just like it's what you're selling is non-existent. You're just receiving their money in your bank, or you could sell as real services and goods, but purchasing them with solid cards. So regarding those two industries, I like these are the number one issues where when I did this could cause troubles for the operators.
0: Interesting. And um, maybe to dig into the, the first one again. So you mentioned the fact that um, people are able to uh, buy these legitimate accounts. Where would uh, someone go? Is that, are you talking about the dark web or what are you referring to there?
1: Yeah, if someone had access to all those IDs, which can be used to account, they can resell it and get your quick money as well. So in terms of people can buy those, it's everywhere. You can buy on Facebook Marketplace, you can buy in a form, you can buy on Credit Marketplace, Darknet Marketplace. I would suggest to stick with platforms where you can read reviews of the vendors. Otherwise, you might be scammed because of scammers are scamming scammers. It's a circle. It's useful to verify the check where you're buying from. That's uh, that's really scary and it's also
0: the the thing I think about is obviously these financial services have extremely kind of well thought out AML and KYC um technology and legislation for most of them. But to hear that somebody could pick up a new neo bank account, you know, on a clear web or a Facebook marketplace is um is scary and kind of crazy, right? That it's so easily accessible.
1: Yeah, indeed. But in many cases, like actual legitimate people looking for those bank accounts, for example, they're looking for like an alternative bank account and they might rather pay someone because for some reason they cannot apply themselves or take advantage of the alternative.
0: Well, let's dive into a little bit into um, yeah online impersonation. Um, and one sector of that, one space of that is, um, I guess, we, we as an industry uh, refer to it as account takeover, ATO. H- how do you view ATO from your point of view as a fraudster?
1: I think that's something like the new shiny thing. It's getting harder and harder to just use the cards. But all the different online businesses and operators are becoming more like digital wallets. But you can actually store your card details because they're looking into their analytics. And so the conversation is much higher if you don't have to retype your card number. And you can use the same card details. From my fraudster's perspective, this is getting just bigger and bigger. It's actually much harder to catch. And it's a challenge for online businesses to solve this problem. Obviously, the mega data breaches, which are happening every month, are leaking millions of passwords. You know, knocking on doors with the combination of the leaked password and usernames or emails trying. And if I can get access and if they can get access, either fraudsters use them separately, resell those logins anywhere where you can store any monetary value, or even let's just say where you keep your personal details will be affected by this type of attacks.
0: And you were were mentioning even before the call, you kind of view this... Almost like three stages, like from your point of view, if you were to think of it as uh, how would you go about um, kind of organizing the, the kind of process? Can you go into more detail for the audience about that?
1: Yes, the easiest way, if you're lucky, you'll find a working password from all a data breach. It's that like incredibly easy to do so, like just to try a few combinations from those passwords. Some people just use those passwords to kind of rethink and use them for attack. Let's many people just changing the numbers in their password. We all know birthdays, and so that's like the easy way, and as well as phishing is like this. The second type of source of these data breaches are leaking people's email addresses. So those email addresses can be used as targets for those phishing attacks, and that's like really recap, and as well as fraudsters actually caught spammers at this point. So they're utilizing a different kind of marketing tool to send those emails to registering domains, which seeming like the target's website address is there, as well as taking it to the next level in phishing is like kind of it's targeting more vulnerable people who are not tech to find out that they're filing for a phishing scam. But in some cases, we've actually seen some of our colleagues actually executing phishing attack, which includes my best thing to do for the ratification by asking for the one time passcode and the phishing sites, which are the copy of the site and real time scrapping the target site. And then using the same kind of manipulation if you're about to type your details in the phishing site. And then you're most likely to believe that you receive actually from the site, which is true. When you enter the password, it gets into the hand of the fraudsters, and then they reuse that one time. So that's the next step. At this point, they can decide whether to resell or whether to use them. Reassignment is actually like many online businesses are focusing on the reassignment part because what they believe is at this stage, they can catch the false sense. But to be honest, the processes are really always changing, like the email or phone or the address, because what they do is like actually just going to the protection because if they want to order something to go buy by address, or if they want to, just wire or send payments from the account to someone else, or to spend it on something the balance on their account. It doesn't require us to change it, as there's another kind of technical word here, if the cardholder sees the email received from the operator, they would be that they would notice the heck, don't go in checking their account. So what to do is also the fluid spans the account at the same time. So the email address receives like hundreds of emails at the same time. So people like wireless, 100 million and all the spam, and they just delete all of them in the middle. That would be like the actual operation, which means that the email will get lost in many cases. It's also possible to get access to the email. That's the best. That's the easiest, then you don't have to rush. You can take time to actually do your thing in their account, but that's quite rare because the email accounts are quite well secured. They always require some certification in some way or another. Even the technology gets more involved. We all know in terms of a logging website has only possession of a device, detects an IP, So many fraudsters to the phishing attack they capture, like user agent and through JavaScript, the device info. And they're looking at the IP, which countries the strongest ISP is using. They can mimic that as well to appear with the user agent and the ISP. If someone would like just using like a page or something like that or another browser or like another device to begin, many sites, most of the people have seen emails from Steam or Amazon. Like seeming like someone trying to access an account or if they just receive just emails when they have to click on a confirmation link. So that's when the operation actually is not successful, as opposed to try to avoid what stays unnoticed. And yet we have the same if someone files for phishing. Then we have the same. We have access to the same data as the associates to do, except the actual storage because they can trick it. You can use the buttons there on the site. I'm not, and that's why we cannot maybe the IP address about this. But it doesn't matter because dynamic IP addresses might change multiple times a day. You can use your phone on a tube or on the bus, your IP, to rotate. So that's not like a thing. You have to stick to the ISP using the same internet service providers, like a huge advantage on many of the proxy providers that are providing options to choose from. If you're looking at a specific targeting specific country, that's you can define your ISP. Then that says if you want to find proxy codes, then it would appear to use in the same as the same location, using the same ISP and the same user agent. So that's like maybe it doesn't raise any flags and there are many other kinds of tricks to excel. I I think uh, for me, the
0: takeaway is, you know, uh, when you look at ATO, you look at it in three ways. You're looking at the account reassignment, Number one, number two, you're looking at credit hijacking if you can and reassignment, and then three, kind of what you're just saying there is this process of profile building. So you're appearing like that legit person based of all the stuff you just mentioned, uh, and it's almost like reverse device fingerprinting. It's, it's it's reverse engineering some of the technologies there, but the same logic. What kind of technologies have you found to
1: you know as times moved on, techs got better? Any ones which are causing you headaches then? Well, one-time passcode for logging notification like before, the once used at banks, and they had to buy. Nowadays, it's being set up dynamically. As I said, if something is off, they might do that just like Amazon does, which is kind of like a deal breaker for us. But the last thing prove that I haven't done a mention like, I can take this attack, which happens to like infected computers like malware. And in that case, it's like you have full access to that counter when you tweak social engineering operator to redirect that message. That they can even bypass as well, but it's actually not that easy in some cases. It's easy if you like a very good playbook, but if you're a first timer, it might take two years to have like a successful attempt. So, so let's uh, let's kind of think about the end of this
0: process. So, you've successfully impersonated someone, you've got holder credentials, and you've finished off a you know particular transaction, whether it's providing a product or service. And um, any thoughts to uh, online impersonation? but then also this you know, offline uh, kind of benefit. So you, know, you need to deliver the product to somewhere using a drop, for instance. Any thoughts to kind of how that process ends so that you've got something on the other end?
1: Yeah, in one hand, if you can make sure that the account holder doesn't receive any emails about updating their account. So obviously you have to not know the mechanics of your target. When they send an email to you, but they don't send the suggested, it's quite easy to yourself. Well, in most cases, they send alerts to you, so if it's an address and in many cases don't even get that notification, usually gets a confirmation of an order, if you don't send the package to that address. But the good thing is, there's always customer service. So many fraudsters are leveraging the customer support, calling them as far as like the account holder. They can contact them via chat. That sounds like a very easy way to change after your address, and then they usually don't have the same processes. So that's quite a good solution to do. It stays undetectable and that sounds like customer service. It's not scared. So you need to invest time into stop everything and know what to say and how and when and how to conduct. Like maybe the line you're going to send, because if you contact the line address on the, of the customer support assistance, then you could get more things done quicker. I think that's a good solution for changing stuff and staying under the radar. That's really
0: tough because I can imagine the business incentive is to uh, target for resolution time and to have happy customers. So you're kind of exploiting that dynamic, right? You, you kind of want, uh, they want to close the ticket, move on, next customer. Anonymous P, that's been really interesting. Uh, listen, we ask all our guests on the show. at uh, the Say on Cat and Mouse podcast, so we always make sure we ask. In the world of you as an active fraudster versus, say, the fraud-fighting professional, who, who do you think is the cat in that scenario? Who do you think is the mouse um, and
1: why? I would say that we as fraudsters are the mouse and then the cat is obviously our counterparty. I think they're trying to chase us and we're always one step ahead. That's why we have this profession and they have that profession. Anonymous P, really appreciate some time taken there. Um, thank you again. My pleasure. Thank you, too.
0: Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's show. At Sayon, our whole startup is 100% focused on helping you, the hardworking fraud manager, fight fraud with tools that are intuitive and fully complement your existing risk tech stack. Check out our website where you can get started on a free trial and be up and running in 30 seconds or less.